The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. The sermon title this morning is Free Indeed. Can somebody say free indeed? And that's going to come from John chapter 8 and verse 36. But before I read these few words of Jesus that culminate in this phrase, I want to read to you one of the accounts uh, from John's gospel, one of the four accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what it says. This is John 21 through 9 in the English Standard Version. It says, Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which is John's designation for himself. So whenever John's talking about himself in his gospel, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) And also, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, there are really funny lines in the Bible. And if you don't know the Bible's funny and you read it not funny, it will not be funny. It will not be funny at all. But if you know it's funny, when you get there, you're like, now that is funny. And John does a funny right here. So John's got a little rivalry with Peter. And so you think about this. John, who's writing one of the four gospels, like inspired word of God, chooses this um, means to point out to the fact that he is a faster runner than Peter for the world to know. Okay? And if that's not funny, I don't know what's funny. So she comes and says to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. Verse three, so Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, (laughs) also went in and he saw and believed. For as of yet, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. We're very familiar with the resurrection of Jesus in our day and age. The disciples did not see that coming. But they had every indication throughout the Old Testament and in the prophetic sense and in the words of Jesus. I mean, he literally said it a bunch of times, but he also implied it here in John 8, which is where I want to focus our attention. John 8, 31 to 36, this is Jesus speaking to those Jews who had heard his words, believed in him, and started to follow him. This is before, obviously, his um, betrayal and execution and resurrection. John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, that is, if you stay close to me and listen to the things that I say, and if they go into your heart and mind and you hang on to them, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So you are listening to obey. You are listening to receive and to follow. And if you do that, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And some of us say, amen. But the disciples said, what's she talking about, Jesus? 
they said, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Explain yourself, right? Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And a sin is anything that is outside of the perfectly crafted boundaries that God has given to us in his word. His definition of what is good and his definition of what is evil. When you believe God and trust God and obey God, then that is righteousness. When you disobey God, distrust God, and you go outside of the parameters that he has set for us, that is sin. And guess what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus has come. And so he says, anyone who practices those things is a slave to those things. So we're not talking about physical slavery here. We're talking about spiritual slavery, spiritual bondage. Listen, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Do you see it? Jesus says, I'm going to live forever because I'm the son. And the only way he lives forever is to come back from death. He's forecasting the resurrection. And he's saying, if you are mine, then you live forever with me. And that's what it means to be free indeed. This resurrection narrative gives us the facts. And John 8, 31 and 36 begins to unfold for us the fulfillment of what it means for us as humans to be free indeed. Deed. And so, God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you attend the reading of the word of God with power and revelation. And we are expecting you to open our ears and give us ears to hear, to soften our hearts that we might receive the seed of your word and that it would find good soil to flourish in, that our lives would prosper as we agree with what you have said is true freedom and receive what you want to give us this morning, the gift of yourself in all of your resurrection power. And so Holy Spirit speak, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. I was contemplating the concept of freedom and I was thinking about times in my life when I felt the most free. Now, if you're like me in middle age, your experience and definition of freedom has changed somewhat over the years. Somebody say amen. But I'll never forget in my, in my childhood, freedom for me was getting out of the house. And so I had this anticipation building up around the day when I would get my driver's license. Remember in the 90s when kids wanted to drive at 16? So I was one of those. And... Uh, so I got my driver's license on my 16th birthday and I was ready to go. I was ready to move out if my parents would have let me. I was like, I'm ready to be independent of all of this. You know, that's where I was at. Little did I know. Anyway, so I got my driver's license and my dad and I had been uh, restoring this car for two years. The, my first car that I bought for $75 and we fixed it up. I replaced the engine. We repainted it, fixed a bunch of body work, replaced the whole interior. I spent two years working on this car and I had it ready to go on my 16th birthday. Here's a picture of this. That's my first car. Oh, now listen, listen. That is an objectively ugly car, okay? <laughs> it, it, even in the 90s, 
people were like, oh, okay, wow, all right. You know, that was, it's not, it's not like a pretty car. But to me, it might as well have been the Batmobile. Because honestly, that thing right there was my ticket to ride. And I'll never forget coming home from the DMV, having passed my driver's license test. I got, I got, remember when they used to laminate your driver's license? And it was like warm, mm, smell the freedom. And I'll never forget, I'm like, I'm here and I'm home and I have the day off, I'm not at work and I have this car and I have this license and I just swoop into my pocket and I backed out of the driveway and I left. And you know where I went? Nowhere, it didn't matter because I was gone. That's what, that's what it was. Never forget leaving my house and to the end of our street and New Smyrna turning right on A1A. And um, so this thing had like a turbocharged engine and it was fast for a minute. Uh, it had a lackluster 185 horsepower, but it was fun. And um, shifted from first to second and got to about 50 miles an hour, which is faster than you should be driving on A1A. And as I was about to shift into third gear and just exulting in all of my teenage freedom, I hit a very large cat in the road. Yeah. That's what happened. True story. I know. And I plummeted from the heights of my f bliss of freedom into the depths of like tragic guilt over the death of this cat, you know? Because I'm not, I wasn't like a deranged teenager that liked to torture squirrels or anything, you know? That was not me. Like I was, a, we owned cats. Like I cared about cats. And this was obviously a house cat, very well fed. And, uh, <laughs> If, if only its owners had fed it less frequently, it may have made it across the street. I'm not saying I was completely to blame for this incident, but the guilt that came over me came from the fact that I did not need to be driving and I was just driving to feel free. And like, I could have just been not doing that and said Kitty would have lived, you know? So if you're here um, and 26 years ago, you know, if you're listening, I just want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> um, also, if you're here and you are a deranged teenager that likes to torture animals, we're glad because you need Jesus, all right? <laughs> uh, it had me thinking about the way in which our pursuit of freedom and the feelings of freedom can bring us to a destination that is never what we expected or aimed for and oftentimes can leave us with feelings we never intended to feel. And this is like, I'm using a silly example because I'm speaking publicly and it's embarrassing to talk about real things. But there's lots of periods of my life where I got an, an idea in my mind or a belief in my heart that I would feel more free, more happy, more whole, more successful by pursuing some course of action or some end. And I pursued that end outside of the revealed will of God for my life. Uh, expecting to find flourishing and freedom. And what I found was uh, death and destruction and heartache and loneliness. And this happens to us all in, in various and different ways. And all of us are wired a little differently. And some of us want to be the life of the party. Some of us want to be left alone. And some of us go after success and we're at the gym at 5 a.m. And some of us stay up until three in the morning drinking. And we, we're all different, but we're all looking for something. And we're listening to these voices that hold out for us what freedom might truly be and where we can find it. And the world is filled with messaging of what will lead us to freedom. Success will lead us to freedom. Relationships will bring us to freedom. Reaching some 
physical capacity will bring us to freedom. Um, some substance and the feeling you get from, from the substance brings you to freedom. Whatever it is that you're pursuing in your life, that you're identifying as the thing that's going to make you happy and bring you the fulfillment or get you over the, the hump that you're on, get you through the day or get you over the obstacles or quiet down the voices on the inside, that actually becomes the thing that enslaves you. I don't know what your many definitions of freedom are, and there are many in our culture. In fact, when someone uses the word freedom, you ought to stop and go, what exactly are you talking about? Even words like liberty and, and so on. Because it can be, liberty is applied in a thousand different ways and means a ton of different things, depending on which level you're talking about it. But I'm talking about the thing I believe that Jesus was talking about. And that is where we think we will find wholeness and flourishing and happiness and, and freedom. I say this, and I really feel a burden in my heart for, for all of us, but specifically this youngest generation that's among us. Because in every generation, this is packaged differently. You know, the baby boomers were told, like, you will, you will find freedom when you are successful in your career and when you make a lot of money. And right now, baby boomers are sitting on something like $35 trillion in saved assets. But they raised a generation of Gen Xers who didn't get to see their parents growing up. And there's Gen Xers who, 45 to 57, who have gone, you know what, all that matters is having a flourishing family life and being there for your children. And they've invested their lives in their children and they have spent their evenings and their weekends on soccer fields and at dance rehearsals and on piano lessons and on college tuitions. And they have slaved away to give their kids what they didn't get, hoping that it would give them some sense of success and, and only to suffer the experience. And the tragedy of all human relationships are messy and it didn't go the way that you thought. And there's a whole millennial generation that's been taught that you'll only be happy and find freedom when you have fulfillment, when you're doing something that makes a difference. And so we've gone out there and pursued all of these careers and have all these degrees and they do nothing for us and we have no money and no plan. And now the world's like, never mind. <laughs> and it's getting worse and worse and worse down to this next generation who grew up in the wake of 9-11 and are looking at a world plagued by COVID, misinformation. They trust no one. They have no hope for anything. And all they want to do is to be a YouTuber and make money by being monetized or be a doctor and cure cancer. And so here we have all of these different messages that are appealing to this inner sense in every human for the spirit of freedom and flourishing and success. And the messaging's different, but the reality is the same, that except for God's definition of freedom and God's definition of success and God's definition of flourishing, everything else essentially is a trap door that leads you into a prison of your own making. Now, I don't know every one of your stories. You know, there's the obvious things that get us trapped, things like addiction, bitterness, unforgiveness, cynicism. There's some of the common ways that we find ourselves on lockdown and isolated and hurting and things that we need to be set free from. But as many people as are in this room are opportunities to search for freedom somewhere only to find yourself a slave. Jesus said this clearly in Matthew 6, 24, Talking about money, he just said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. If you're gonna pursue money and that's gonna be the thing that tells you whether you're being successful or not, you can't serve God. Because a lot of times God will be like, mm, give me all your money or be generous this way. And you're like, I can't, I'm saving that for me. That was the, so you have to choose. Jesus says this clearly. Second Peter 2, 19, Peter's talking about false teachers that come in to say, here's the way to real freedom. It's this asceticism or this religiosity or this theology. He says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person to that he is 
enslaved. And if you've ever been addicted to anything, you know at some point you want to stop and you can't. And now you have a real problem because the thing that once made you feel great now is the thing that's destroying your life and it now owns you. Galatians 5.1 warns even believers with genuine faith in Jesus. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And there's lots of offers that are nothing more than a yoke of slavery that promise one thing and lead you into a place of darkness. This can be centered in yourself and fleshly desires, starts with indulgence and leads to addiction and wrecked relationships and major life losses. This can be just with your eyes on your own life and your future, which leads you to a place of just being gripped by fear of every bad thing that can happen. You become a control, controlling person, paralyzed by what could go wrong, terrified of change, maybe small-minded, hateful of other people who seem to be a threat, nostalgic about the past and the good old days, defensive. You can get focused on what other people think of you, how many followers you have, how well-liked you are, how you stack up to other people, which only ends up leading you to project a better version of yourself. You know, go look at your Facebook picture. How real is that? You project this version of you, which really is a small form of deceit. And this kind of leads into you kind of like pushing a version of you that's not the real you, that's the better version of you. And now you've created a false self which distances you from people. And now everyone else is just someone to compare yourself to. And now you're objectifying people, which turns you into a gossip, makes you afraid and insecure. Some people are here um, just fixed on the past. There is actually no freedom for you. Freedom is behind you. Some traumatic thing took place. You suffered some abuse or some betrayal. And now nothing will ever be the same. And you look to that past self and that is where happiness is. And you're moving ever further away from it into a world of hopelessness. What the Bible calls a waterless pit, where it's just a slow journey until your own demise. And these things are tragic. But these are the things that God in heaven looked into the world and saw us suffering in. And when we cry out to him, he moves in real time to deliver us from them all. And the way that he does that and the way that he did that was by becoming like us in human flesh and walking through a life plagued with all of the suffering that we experience, knowing what it is to be truly human, but triumphing over the human problem and giving himself up as a sacrifice of atonement, dying in our place so that we might be forgiven and escape death. And on the third day, because the grave couldn't hold him, he was raised victorious and lives forevermore. And now we can live in him. That's the good news of Easter. If the sun sets you free, then you are free indeed. And I'm saying this because some of you are sitting in a quiet prison of your own making and you know Jesus, you know his voice, but he's actually just standing at the gate of your cell. And he's never, he never leaves you, he's always with you. But he's calling for you to exit. There's an invitation for you to leave behind that old definition of freedom that has built the walls that contain you and to follow after him. And sometimes leaving something you're familiar with can be frightening. And I want you to consider with me just for a moment that Jesus died and was raised and ascended into heaven, not so that we would have someone to look to or thank for doing a thing, but so that we could be one with him forever. You see, the reason we have hope for eternal life is because he already has it. We're in him and he's experiencing it. And so 
this, this kind of just changes everything, changes everything for the here and now, changes everything for our future. And so he's wanting you to receive him. And so in the resurrection, we have been set free, free indeed. We've been set free from something. We've been set free to something and we've been set free for something. And I wonder if you've ever thought about it this way. You see, we've been set free from something, which is deliverance. Somebody say deliverance. And I don't mean like, you know, you are in a prison, maybe of your own making, but there's an enemy of your souls and he's after you and he wants you to die. And so he, he's happy to work along with any of the things you think that are wrong. He's happy to sow seeds of lies to get you to pursue some track that he, that's going to end in your demise. But if you cry out to God, he is always right there to deliver you and to set you free. You guys know Zechariah 9.9, which we quoted on Good Friday and on Palm Sunday. This was the, the prophecy about Jesus proclaiming himself to be king and riding on the foal of a donkey into Jerusalem. You remember this? But we never get down to 11, typically. Zechariah 9.11 says, As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. You got no hope? You got a rescuer. You got no way out? He's coming in. And he's coming in through death. So he has the power over death. So whatever situation you're in, there is freedom. There is freedom. Listen, there's no situation you can get yourself in, no matter how you perceive yourself, what mistakes you made. It could all be your fault. Doesn't matter. God does not care about the terms of your problem. He only cares about solving them. Do you know that? He's a deliverer. He wants to deliver you from hopelessness. I love the song, uh, I Speak Jesus. Have you guys heard this song? I Speak Jesus. Your name is healing. Your name is power. Your name is life. All three of these things these are pictures of his delivering strength that we see in the resurrection. Jesus comes out of the grave with newness of life, and he invites us to participate in his life-giving spirit and to be one with him by faith. And so there is power. Listen, some of you need power. I mean, this is what all recovery programs are built on. Guess what? You got yourself into this mess, but you can't get yourself out. You have to acknowledge there's a power higher than you, and you have to appeal with humility towards that power for the help that you need. Does that sound familiar? Where'd you guys get this? This is what Jesus died to give us. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from gripping fear. Freedom from bitterness. A new perspective on the future. Being one with him. His name is power. His name is also healing. There's healing in his name. When you turn to Jesus, call out to Jesus. He comes to save you. He delivers you and he gives you freedom from abuse. Listen, yes, a terrible thing happened to you and that was evil and it's okay and good to call it evil. But you have a healer, a healer. It is not that you can't go backwards. It's that in Jesus, you can go forward. Do you understand this? Listen, if you come to know Jesus as the healer, you will, it will make sense to you when people who have recovered from abuse can say to you, I wouldn't trade it or change it. What? It was awful. Why would you not change it or trade it? Because I've come to know my healer in the middle of it. There is healing for you. There is power for you. He can overcome sickness and depression and relational conflict. There is nothing he can't heal. And his name is life. His name is life. Listen, all pursuit of earthly freedom, all appeals for what's truly um, success. All of these things are wrapped up in what we are looking for, and that's life. We want to live. We want to live as long as possible and as full as possible. But that's what Jesus came to give you. Do you not know this? He said, I came that you would have life to the fullest, abundant life. There's so many 
There's so many misleading representations religiously and religiously, uh, non-Christian, non-kind um, of traditional religion. There's a, a new religion, a new um, kind of neo-Marxism that's just appealing to everybody that everything's against you and the systems are all bad and burn it all down. That's when you'll be free. No, no, that's when there will be chaos. And the only option will be for you to be ruled and oppressed. And then you will need a deliverer. Do you understand? And so I'm asking you to consider that in the name of Jesus is true life. And there is healing for whatever you've suffered. And there is power for whatever you're under the oppression of. And all of this is manifested in this thing we don't like to talk about. And that is just the fear of death. Do you know that? All of us, all of us have this built in. And unless you find some truth and some reality that changes it for you, all of us are walking around terrified of dying. And it's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us the hope beyond death that eliminates that fear of death. And so all of those false paths, they lead to death and we're terrified of death and we're trying to avoid death at all costs. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says it this way. Since therefore children, remember Jesus said, son, son continues forever. Since therefore children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subjected to lifelong slavery. So are you in slavery? You're a perfect candidate. Are you terrified to die? Awesome. I want you to meet Jesus and I want you to see his resurrection so that you have a hope beyond death. In fact, you're not afraid of death and maybe even you welcome it because it's the last door until you're in God's eternal purpose and plan forever. Oh, that's a scary people who aren't afraid to die. <laughs> this is where true life begins. So you're delivered, but you're also devoted. Somebody say devoted devoted. He said in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Listen to how relational this is. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's saying, you stay close to me. You listen to me. Let's talk. Let me share with you reality. And this is very slow, isn't it? This is why we use the word become in our mission statement. We exist to be and become disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus because we're all a work in progress. You're not fooling anybody. Okay. And we stopped pretending a long time ago. So relax. We're just learning from Jesus and we're doing the things we've learned. And so it's a process. Sometimes Jesus won't even tell you what he's doing. All right, I want you to do this. Why? It doesn't matter. Just do it and we're gonna learn a lesson as we go. It's very thorough. It's very purposeful. But he's after this relationship. He's not gonna send you a postcard with everything you need to know to succeed in life until you die. He's gonna invite you into relationship and every single day walk with you through prayer and devotion and faithfulness and reading the scriptures and hearing the Holy Spirit and walking through difficult circumstances and not knowing what to do and experiencing his deliverance over and over and over again. He's after you to have a close relationship with him. He wants you to be devoted to him because he's already devoted to you. You will never find anybody who's more committed to your well-being, freedom, and success than Jesus. He already came here, lived, and died so that you would have a shot. And now he's right here every single day and he's inviting you out of your cell to walk with him. He's not literally saying, okay, you're free to go. Now figure it out. Here's 20 bucks and a bus fare. Good luck. Hope you have some friends back home. No, he's devoted to you and he wants you to be devoted to him. John 14, 18 to 21, speaking to the disciples before his death. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you hear the commitment of Jesus relationally? Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. 
in that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. You are now connected to the creator and covenant maker of the universe. You have life in his name. He is your source. There is power and wholeness and deliverance, but there's also a relationship that you have something to devote your life to. And it's the one who's devoted to you. And we need this. We need this because there's, there's just a, a religious spirit, a false gospel that basically says, listen, you trust Jesus, you pray the prayer, you're good to go, and it doesn't matter what happens between now and when you die. Grace says it doesn't matter. None of those things matter. And then there's lots of other messaging. You do you. Well, let's see, where did that get you? But Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as slaves, servants, of God. Whatever it is that you love, that is the thing that becomes your master. And Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? You should love me. I love you. You love me. And watch where this takes you. Listen, let me just be vulnerable with you for a second. Uh, like many people who was raised in a Christian home, and my parents got saved when I was born, and they were a hot mess. I can say that now. My dad was in the first service. He's gone. Uh, <laughs> they were just a disaster. My mom was like a witch. And my dad was a drug dealer when I was born. And God radically saved them. And then they started changing their life. And they're trying to raise us the best they possibly could uh, with a bunch of bad habits and a bunch of things they needed to overcome and whatever teaching they could scrounge up at the time, which was scarce, and, and then do the best that they could to set us on, on a path towards success. And I believed the gospel when I was eight years old. I asked God to into my heart when I was eight years old. I was baptized, eight years old. I mean, I only had to be dunked down like this much. It was that just little guy. And I believe that to be true. And I, and I believe that was enough. If, if I had died, I would have been with Jesus instantly because that's all he's looking for is childlike sincerity of faith, right? Right? And, and, but by the time I was 18 years old, you know, after the whole cat incident, I was like, you know what? Is this even real? This is dumb. All these people, I don't like these Jesus people. They are critical and rude and they treat me bad. And I feel like I don't want to be around them. And the people I actually want to hang out with are terrible, awful humans who continue to get themselves arrested. Those are my friends. And that's where I'm in this state of confusion. And yet God's calling me back to himself. Always, he's so faithful. He's calling me back. He's after me. And listen, I, gave, I, I like rededicated my life to the Lord when I was 18 years old. This is when I felt like God was calling me to be a pastor, which nobody saw that coming. And I started down that road. And then Tiffany and I got married two years later. At 20 years old, I know nothing. We're trying to like figure out life. And, and so many, there's so many paths that I went down personally seeking wholeness. The ones that I mentioned, actually. These are not me projecting what your problems may be. Speaking from personal experience, what people thought about me. How did I project myself? How was I, how was I perceived creating a, a false sense of self? This is, this is the me I want you to love. You know how you feel though when you're projecting a version of you that you want everyone to love? Like no one loves you because no one knows you. No one can get into a relationship with you. And so your mind is plagued. You can't relax. You're trying to balance all the lies you told. You can't turn it off. You're working crazy to try to make everybody happy. No one's happy. And how, do you, how do you solve it? Maybe you solve it with a pill or a bottle or a habit. And before you know it, there's a thing you want to stop doing you can't stop doing. But listen, if you call out to Jesus, no matter who you are, where you are, and if you give your life to him in genuine devotion, it does not matter the circumstance. He loves you. He lived for you. He died for you. And he was risen for you. 
And so there is deliverance in his name and there is devotion to be experienced. And lastly, turning the corner here, God's plan to change this world involves people who live free. When you come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus, you're devoted to him, you're walking near him, you're learning from him, you're just doing the things he says to do. And you're believing the things he says, even though they stand against, I feel like this would make me happy. Nope, don't do that. That feels like a limit. Yep, you're my slave, do what I say. But when you trust God and you do the things he says, I'm telling you, it always ends for the better. You wanna know where the best human flourishing is? Close to Jesus, doing what he says. The things you understand, great. The things you don't understand, do it anyway. Trust me on this one, okay? This is where true freedom is. He knows that and he's calling you into it. He's delivered you and by his death, you can live and be forgiven. He's devoted to you and he's calling you to be devoted to him. But he also wants to do a work in you and then deploy you into the world to demonstrate his great love for everybody else. Imagine for a moment, imagine a world where every person you encounter is preoccupied with your best interests. And I'm not talking about a day one trainee at Chick-fil-A either, you know? My pleasure. Is it really, is it your pleasure? You ever notice how like the ones who have been there a long time, thank you, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. Is it your pleasure? No, I'm talking about a world where every human that you stand next to is looking to make your day great and seeing you and valuing you no matter what you look like, where you came from or what you've done, what kind of day you're having. Can you imagine that world? Yeah, it's called heaven. Do you see this? And God's trying to do that work in us. But in order for us to be able to live like that, to live in love in this deployed way that God wants to send us out, we've got to come into a relationship with Jesus that lets us out of our own prison cells. We've got to come to know him in a daily way that heals up our own wounds so we don't keep doing the same stupid stuff over and over again, hurting ourselves and others. We've got to be filled up with him and be given the gift of his Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm going to read this to you. We got three minutes and 40 seconds. I'm going to read this to you. Um, this is just an excerpt from the back of Ephesians, which is just telling Christian people how they ought to live. Now, with what I just said to you in mind, listen to this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, the godless people who don't do anything, God says, in the futility of their minds. They've bought all these lies. They're pursuing freedom elsewhere. They don't get it. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of hearts. So they've rejected what can be known about God, pursued this different direction, and they're living lives that are terrible and making the world an awful place to be. You know, them, those people. Don't be like them. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Listen, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And this requires the devotion that God's after. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And this requires faith because it's a gift from God. He starts putting it on you right, right away, no matter what you're like. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be easier to buy a used car if everyone tell the truth? <laughs> We're members of one another. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Can you imagine if there was just no more stonewalling? No more slam doors and three days of quietness and give no opportunity to the devil. He'd love to see us separated and hating each other. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands that may have something to share with anyone in need. Someone stole a bike out of our yard at 5.30 in the morning on Saturday. Just came in the yard, took one of my kid's bikes, rode off with it. And that's just the world we live in. Wouldn't it be nice if I woke up and I found that he had just pulled all the weeds in my beds? <laughs> I was walking by and I was just like, man, you guys don't take care of your yard at all. So I just pulled these weeds because I'm homeless and I have nothing else to do. So you're welcome. <laughs> Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Can you imagine if the only words people spoke were the ones that made everyone feel like, oh, I feel seen, loved, and valued. No more gossip, no more bullying, no more boasting, no more criticism, no more judgments. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, being imitators of God, because this is what he's like, as beloved children, which Jesus died to make you, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is not that complicated. It's just impossible without Jesus. But because he is risen, because he lives, you live. And so will you be delivered? He's standing at your cell door. He's got the keys to death in Hades. There's nothing he can't save you from. He's inviting you to step into not an unknown world for you to figure it out. Scary, but to walk with him. He's never gonna leave your side. Will you, will you walk out? Will you be delivered? And will you live with him? Will you be devoted? Because he's looking for a people who he can transform, that they might draw near and drink deep and live full and be sent out into the world to show that there's a different kind of humanity that God's intends. And it's all centered around the person and work of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me ask the team to come up and I'm going to close us because the only right way to respond is to just honor him and to receive from him what it is that we need. You don't have to do anything for God. He's not asking you to do anything. He's asking you to let him do something for you. And that just requires faith. And maybe you're here and you believe all this stuff already. And you're like, yeah, amen. And maybe there's a little hole, little spot, a little corner of your life where you keep going in one of those cells. You keep believing what's wrong and not true. And you keep pursuing this and you can't get free of it. And you need some deliverance. But I know there's some people who are here today and you are here because it is Easter Sunday and your grandmother will be furious if you are not at church today. And I just wanna invite you to experience the only life that is full life, that is real life, to experience the only thing that actually gives you true freedom. And that is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. He's the only one who can fix your mess. He's the only one who can forgive your sins. He's the only one that can give you the power and the strength that you need to be healed and to be loved and to be who God made you to be. And so I'm gonna give you an opportunity. We have literally no room for you to come forward, but that's okay. All you need is a sincerity of heart and a willingness to say, I need you to rescue me. And listen, everyone who is in this room who is not gonna raise their hand in just a second is because they've already raised their hand and maybe very recently. Do you know that? And so I'm gonna give you a chance just to, by show of hand, just say, yeah, I wanna be set free. And so if that's you, if God's moving in your heart and you wanna be set free, to no longer be offended and bitter and unforgiving or jaded and cynical or judgmental or condescending or greedy or addicted, then I just wanna ask you to call out to Jesus and raise your hand with me. In three seconds, I'm gonna give you a countdown. One, two, three, raise your hand.
Yeah, praise Jesus. Awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. All it takes is a sincere heart and some words like this. God, I believe you. I need your help. Please rescue me. Have my whole life. And if you mean those words and you can pray just simple words like that, save me from the mess that I've created for myself. Forgive me and help me. He is going to forgive you like that. And he comes right to you all the way. And then he cleanses you so you're holy and he pours out his Holy Spirit into your heart so that you can be led by God. Listen, the only way, appropriate way for us to respond is by giving God our all. And some of the only ways we can get that out all the way is through song. I love Psalm 107. I'm gonna end right here. And then the team will lead us in one song. But Psalm 107, 14 to 21 says, he brought them out of darkness and the shadows of death. He burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts into the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. But then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Amen and amen. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your deliverance. God, it is finished, Jesus said from the cross. And on the third day, walked out of the grave. There has never been an event like it in history and has changed the world. But more importantly, it's changed my world. God, I thank you for your love and for the power of your deliverance. Thank you that you've called us not to be free and then to figure it out, but to be devoted and to follow after you, to learn from you. God, I pray that you would just put in each of us a burden for the vision of seeing a world filled with supernaturally transformed people who go out into the world every day to love the way that you love. God, we love you. We thank you for this miracle. And I just pray each of us would have the grace to receive it by faith. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Let's stand.